Cool. Thanks so much, Adele. Oh, gosh, how good is God? Is it just me or is it like really cool in here? Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. As I was um, sort of contemplating today and realizing that, you know, most of us know that we're coming in and it's the first day of our, our, our faith pledge, I was thinking, you know, sometimes I wonder, I get a bit, I wonder if people just won't come. It's like, you know, like, I'll just let that ship go past and then I'll come in after it's all done. And <laughs> I was thinking, people that are coming today are people who have decided to carry weight. Yeah. People who have decided to be a part of what God's doing, take responsibility. And then Jesus said to the Great Commission, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. And, and, uh, and you know, I think he meant that when he said it. I think he meant it. I think that we choose whether we're going to be obedient and make disciples or if we're going to be passengers. You know, you'll, you'll get to heaven, and don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's a salvation issue because it's not. The scripture talks about our works at the end of it will come through. Some of us will come through carrying riches with us and some will come through as one escaping the flames. And, and personally, at the end of it, I want to be one who looks back and, I, and I'm carrying true riches through my life and into eternity. Amen? So I know that people that are here today are people who are carrying true riches. They serve and they give intentionally knowing that we're doing this to save lives, to save lives eternally and to bring, uh, just, just to save a lost and broken world. Amen? Amen. I love this idea of legacy. I, I just, it's something that, you know, over the last, uh, sort of the older I get, I know I'm not old, don't, don't, you know, it's like you, you talk to my kids, it's like, you know, they'll say like, you know, when they're like seven, oh, when I was young, I'm like <laughs> but I'm what, 40 now, so what, I figure I'm about halfway there, you know, a third if I do really well, but, you know, the older I get and, you know, having kids and sort of, th you know, you, you get, you start to look back and look forward and, and think, well, what am I going to be leaving my kids? What have I been, you know, what, what's been imparted to me? What am I leaving? And I get a little, and my sort of nature is to be quite sort of uh, retrospective and refle reflective and, you know, I'm a thinker. And I really see, I, I look at, I look at things and I think about things and, and I think about what do I want to leave? What do I want to leave, you know? Um, there's a scripture in the Bible in Proverbs that says that a good person leaves an inheritance for their kids' kids. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children and it's speaking specifically about physical resources in that context, but it, it's not limited to that. And I, and I think a good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children. It's not even about their kids, it's generations. And, and I think that we are good people. You know, the scripture says that you're like Christ. I think Christ was pretty good. <laughs> Just saying. And the Bible says you're like him, so which makes you pretty good. Even righteous is actually how the Bible describes you, which is really good. And, and, we, and, the, and, and so we want to be people who leave a legacy. We want to be people who are leaving a, an inheritance for our kids' kids. And it's like, okay, well, what does that look like? A lot of us have received an inheritance. And some of you are like, well, hang on. I didn't get a cracker. I didn't see one red cent. Or some might be, well, like, you know, 
I, I got a small amount. It wasn't a life-changing amount. It was, but it was something. It was the best that they could do, but it was all they. And, you know, we look at that, and I, and I just want to say, stuff comes and goes. Stuff comes and goes. You could have a fire, and you've been left all this amazing stuff gone. Like, you know, the Bible talks about storing up pla- things in places where thieves can't steal and rust can't destroy. And, and it's like, okay, so there's a clear distinction between stuff that matters and stuff that's just cool to have and comes and goes. And, and so when I think the Bible's putting an emphasis on things, I don't think it's speaking about the temporal as a focus, as a main thing. It doesn't mean it's not included, it's just it's not the main thing. And we don't just, it's not nothing, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is what lasts. And we're called to leave an inheritance to our kids' kids. We're called to leave a legacy. And, and I just think that we have an opportunity to do that. And we have to take responsibility to be men and women who will leave a legacy. You will leave a legacy. Well, no, 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 let me stop. You will leave a legacy regardless we need to be people who will be intentional about the kind of legacy that we leave. We get to choose the legacy that we leave. Now, what do I mean by you will regardless is you right now are the product of your past. People say, well, I'm not the product of my past. We are. You are. You're the product of decisions other people made. You're the product of decisions you've made right up to getting out of bed this morning and deciding to come to church. And, and you're here. And then so we're like, okay, well, and, and everything that you are is because of things that have happened in the past. Now, there's this amazing promise in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says that, uh, well, I'll turn to it. It's, it says that anyone who's in Christ, is in, uh, let me, I'll read it word for word here. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So what we're seeing is that it's done. You, you are in your creation. And then so, okay, we're like, why am I not living like a new creation? What, and we, we, we're starting to, and what we, if we really look, carefully at our lives what we'll find ourselves responding the way our parents responded because that's a legacy they left you 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 don't realize you're not imitating them on purpose but you're responding the way that they responded because you and because you're doing that your kids are going to respond the way you respond because you're leaving a legacy because and, and we're at this point it's like well okay we need to understand that what is is not necessarily the way it's supposed to be. And a really good uh, example of this is, as um, I was talking with Melissa this morning, and before I got married, I lived on a diet of meat, fast food, and multivitamins. <laughs> and that's it. And that was my diet. Meat, fast food, multivitamins. I remember the very first time when I started to date Melissa, the first time I cooked for her, I was quite proud of myself, fancy myself as a bit of a cook, come out with two beautiful, even though one of them was well done, which is a crime, porterhouse steaks, one for Melissa, one for me, sat down. She's looked at, but when I say porterhouse steak, I mean, that was it. 
There's a porterhouse steak on a plate. And she's looked at it and she said, where's the vegetables? I don't even know if we have vegetables in the house. <laughs> and, and she said, I'm waiting for the vegetables, thanks. And I don't know, I can't remember the, the how that story ended, but what I'm, and then, and, and I lived like the dishes would get done when there was no more dishes to use. So you'd have to do the dishes because otherwise how could you eat and cook? This is just how I, I didn't realise, this is just, all the bachelors are looking at me like, and? <laughs> I get to the point, I don't understand your story here. And then, and then so I, when I've gotten married, I'm like, Melissa's like, at the end of the night, dinner dishes are there, and she's like, okay, we need to do the dishes. And I'm like, says you. <laughs> There's plenty of dishes in the cupboard. These dishes don't need doing. And let's just say it was a minor point of conjecture. You know, we compromised and did what she wanted. And, but... And then after a little while, I, I, I didn't mind eating meals with multiple items in it. Oh, this is quite nice. <laughs> I, I'd come home and it was nice that the stuff wasn't on the sink. If you needed to cook something, you didn't have to wash the pan first. <laughs> and then there was laundry that got done. You know, that basket there, that's what's where you put it in there. If you don't put it in there, it doesn't get in the drawer which I would never use the drawer before, but this is all new to me. And then after a little while, I'm thinking, I actually quite like this way of living. Uh, this is nice. And then sometimes I'd go to people's houses and I'm thinking, I'm not sitting down on that chair. <laughs> no, I'm good to stand, thanks. It's like, no, I'm good. I don't want to drink, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, because what, what happened is I, I changed. I, I, what I once thought was normal... I, I knew there was better. I didn't even... You, you, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know that better was there. I didn't know there was even better to want. And so God calls us to this richer life, and we fight him on it. Because we're like, says you. <laughs> and we're fighting him on stuff. He's saying it's better. And we're saying... Uh, no. And, and uh, there's this passage, uh, Susan, I've written, I don't even know why I, I prepare. I seriously don't. No, I'm not even kidding. Uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, sorry, chapter 5 and verse 36, There's a, Jesus told them this parable. Susan, I don't know if you can keep up starting from scratch, so sorry. Uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 36, he told them this parable. This is Jesus speaking. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new one will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine says... Uh, no, no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Jesus is introducing new things to us, and we're saying, nah, the old is better. But how do you know the old is better? You haven't tried the new. You're like, says you. And, and we're in this point where we won't take a step because we are comfortable in the old. And there's this story in uh, in John, and, and it's actually what Pastor Adele was using to for the... Uh, 
to sort of lead us in communion. And uh, I just want to read through it. In, in John chapter 6, verse 28, and I'm sort of, I'm just going to jump through here. Jesus has just been at a point where he's, a lot of us will have heard this, the miracle where Jesus fed 5,000 people, well, 5,000 families really, 5,000 families with one lunch, and he's multiplied this food amazingly, and he's done this huge miracle. And then it actually says that he had to go off and hide because the people were about to make him king by force. They were at the point where this guy is the Messiah, this guy is the king of the Jews, we're going to be, he's going to be our new king, he's going to overthrow Caesar. We've been waiting for this prophecy to be fulfilled for thousands of years. The moment has come, this is clearly the guy. And then, so Jesus has actually says, gone up to the uh, up to the mountains. His mates have crossed the river, or the, uh, the sea rather, and then he walks after them on the sea, which is a whole other story, which I'll, for time I won't go there. And then he moves across the other side of the, the sea, and then they're discussing, and, and then basically now he's got this massive following of these people that have seen him feed the 5,000 families, and they're wanting to make him king. And so this is the setting we've walked into. That, that when, they, when he's disappeared, they've all cleared off and, and gone looking for him. And they've realized, ah, he's crossed the sea. So they've gone around the other side and they're there to meet him. There. This is the atmosphere we've walked into where this is the expectation where they, they know he's the Messiah. They know he's the one who's gonna, th- that is called to lead the people to freedom. Uh, and then it says, they ask him, John chapter 6, verse 28, they ask him, what must we do? Uh, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And I'm sure in their minds are like, yeah, we, we believe in you, man. We just saw you feed 5,000 families with one lunch. We've seen you raise the dead. We've seen you heal the blind. We've seen you do all of these amazing things. We believe in you. And then it goes on. Um, and it says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then we, we jump down to verse 40, and it says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and, and I will raise them up at this last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How then can he say, I come down from heaven? Jump down further in the chapter to verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So what had happened there? What happened? They knew who he was. They were prepared to make him king and to initiate a war with Rome. They knew. And then he starts to explain to them, to the, in their mind, you've got to understand, these people, they, they, they are steeped in tradition. They are raised, their, their religion and their, po- their politics and their education system are absolutely entwined. They know the first five books of the Bible off by heart as a young, up in, by the age of 13. That they, The church leaders are, the religi- are also the political leaders. They're, they're so, this is so, they know the scripture. And, and to really understand the whole, the, the, whole, the, the whole Old Testament is geared up waiting for a Messiah. 
They're waiting for a particular prophet who's going to come and he's going to be their answer. He's going to be the true king of the Jews. And they've recognized that Jesus is him. And so then they've said, we want you to be, and they're, they're there. And then Jesus starts to talk to them. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. And he's starting to say stuff, I'm from heaven. You've got to come. And then what starts to happen is they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, thank you. I know your dad. I know your mom. So I used to play football with your dad when we were kids. I remember you when you were in nappies. This is not, so what started to happen is they thought that, they, that the Messiah was going to come and be wrapped into their life, into their familiar. They thought that it was going to be old wine in an old wine skin. And Jesus said, no, this is a new wine skin. This is new wine. I don't fit in that. I can't be contained in that. It's not me getting into your world. It's you coming into my world. You don't come to Christ by having him come and fit into your life. You come to Christ by fitting into his world. And then we find ourselves in this place where it's like, well, hang on. I don't get this. And, and then even where, where we read earlier where it says that new wine must go into a new wineskin. It's just like, well, I've got an issue here. It's because I'm an old wineskin. And if you want to get serious and real, you're an old wineskin. Some of you are older than others. What does that mean? It's talking about someone setting their ways. It's talking about someone who's, you've been formed and shaped and fashioned as that wine fermented and expanded and preserved. It's shaped and fashioned. And, and, it's, it's, and, and that's how you've been. And you're a certain mold. And you're like, well, hang on. Does that mean I can't? Does that mean I can't cross over? And it's just like, well, hang on. It does require a miracle. It does require an act of God. And we're going to be doing some prayer ministry afterwards. And I believe that God's going to do some cool stuff. But that's not the main thing. The main thing is that you change. And, and, and to change involves change, strangely enough. How do we get from here to there? How do I get from an old wineskin to a new wineskin? How, how do I get from a brittle, old, fixed, hard, object to a supple, new, flexible creation. See, the thing is, is, is it's done, remember. It says, whoever is in Christ is, present tense, a new creation. The old has, past tense, gone. All has, past tense, become new. So it's like, well, I am and I'm not. Now, the cool, this is where there's this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. And a lot of us would actually be familiar with this initial, this initial verse. It says, There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. There is a time to be born and a time to die. There is a time to plant and a time to uproot. This is where it gets interesting. A time to kill and a time to heal. 
There's a time for killing. There is. And there's a time for healing. A time to tear down and a time to build. We all think about the life in Christ as all healing and building. Well, that's half of it. Well, there's a time for that. There's also a time for killing and tearing down. And we need to be killed. <laughs> yeah, we're dying to self. We need it. We think we know everything. We, we've been taught in our ways and we think we know it all. That's got to die. We've built and established walls in our hearts that we think are just is. Just this is the way it is. And sometimes it's not. And they have to be destroyed. They have to be torn down. The Bible calls those things strongholds. Things that are, and we've always thought they are. So we build these walls in our minds, in our lives. And these walls, they're there to protect us. They're there to keep us in. They're there for just structure. And they're actually good to have walls in your life. The walls are good. Because sometimes they're in the wrong place. Sometimes they're, you know, a wall's great, but you put one across the freeway, you're going to have dramas. Around the edge of your house is good. Some, the Bible actually says God's a stronghold. So there's nothing wrong with having strongholds. They've just got to be the right ones. And when we've got to start to identify where are the wrong ones, and then we've got to let God rip them down. And, and sometimes we'll be going through hell. I remember a while ago, I went through a season of just pure hell, like badness. And I'm not saying it was bad on the outside, but the stuff that was going on and the things that, and what, what was happening is God was breaking me down. Things that I had held as idols in my life, God started to challenge us, put his finger on it, and says, why do you want that? Well, it's for you. And he's like, well, no, I think you want it for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you can have that, but up we deal with the ego that would pollute that and I remember sitting with Pastor Malcolm just at the worst of it and, and I'm like Malcolm it's just not fair and he's talking you know he's just full of wisdom and years of experience and he's you know able to guide me through and helping me through that I'm like Malcolm it's not fair it's like you're old nearly dead <laughs> why do you have the what, what good's it to you now <laughs> I know I'm saying this is the truth I said that I'm not Told you I was in a pretty bad place. You know, I'm like, wouldn't like why what what's God doing giving that to someone who's on the toward the end of their life? Wouldn't that be so useful for a young guy to be able to actually have this wisdom? And God in his sovereignty decides to make you learn through process. He decides to make you learn through journey. He makes decides to make you learn from others. And, and you don't just get it when you're 12, like you have the, the wisdom of a person who's been through decades and decades and decades. A and, and you can go through decades and decades and decades and not get it either. Sometimes you, you might hear a person say, well, I've done, you know, I know it all because I've done this job for 30 years. It's like, well, maybe you've done the same job 30, 30 times, the same year 30 times. And it doesn't actually mean you've progressed, it just means you're repeated. And that, that just means nothing. What we need to do if we want to 
be able to leave a legacy is we need to be like Pastor Malcolm and let those years change you. Let the battles change you, refine you. Let Go through your seasons where it's time to, be, time to break down. Let God break you down. Because what I see too much of is when God's trying to deal with people, they're saying, says you. When, when God's saying, hey, I'm, I'm trying to draw your attention to a need to change here. What he's saying, <laughs> listen to this. This is what he's saying. It doesn't matter how hard the word God's given you is. It, it doesn't matter how painful the journey he wants you to take is. You know, the scripture says that God is, the Father is the vine dresser, the gardener who prunes us, cuts stuff off us. Do you know why he does it? So you'll be better. And, and, it, and it, it doesn't matter how hard what it feels like we need to go through. This is what Jesus is actually saying. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everything we're doing, he's wanting to swap. He's wanting to take this junk and give you more. Give you better. That's what he's trying to do. And we fight him on it. We fight him on it. He's wanting to give you better, and you're fighting him. There's so much junk that we carry through our lives. So much junk that we think's normal, that we don't even realize is not, that it, that is, we just think it is 100, it's just like I've got glasses on. Imagine there's a spot on my glasses, but all I've ever known is my glasses with this spot. Before I got my prescription glasses, I just thought the world looked like this. I thought you had a blurry head. <laughs> I didn't know that your head wasn't blurry. And we're walking around with, we're walking around with this filter that we don't even realize is a filter. For us, this is just life. And God's saying that I'm going to take you through processes that are going to refine you, processes that are going to grow you, but you've got to do it with me. Why? Because I want to take your old burden, your old yoke, and I want to give you my yoke. He's saying, I've got new wine for you. I've got fresh life. You're a new creation. And we've got to stop fighting him on it. We've got to stop fighting him on it. Too often we think we know better. These walls that we have, these strongholds that we carry, they're actually a, a, a big sign that says, God, I know better. It's a big sign that says to God, says you. And, and I, just, I, I just think we need, Jesus gave us the, the map here. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. 
He taught us that there's the model right there. Gentle and humble. If we're able to take the lower place and say, you know what? I don't know it all. I have a lot to learn. Just because I've done something a certain way this whole time doesn't mean that is the way. just means that's the way I've always done it. I, I want us to take a posture, and this is what I feel God wants to do with us this morning, to take a posture that says, God, I don't know it all. Where God's actually inviting us to humble ourselves and say, God, do it in my life. When the challenges come, when the trials come, stop fighting it. Stop fighting him on it. If you're asking why this and why that and this isn't right, just shut up. Just stop. Just stop. Like, why not? Because it says there's a time for that. Okay, this is your answer for your question. It's because it's time for that now. It's a time for killing. It's a time for tearing down. That's why. Because the clock's just come around to that part. And we get into a place where we actually say, God, just break me down. Break me down. Burst that old wineskin because I, I don't want the old. I want the new. I'm not folding you into my life. I want to fold me into your life. Let's pray. I'm just going to open up the altar as well. And I'd just love to pray with people and invite Pastor Mo and Pastor Adele to come up and pray as well. God's just going to do some cool stuff right now. So let's just stand and we're going to worship. And God's just going to meet you right where you are. But if you know, I just think, come forward, get prayer, because it's better. I do it all the time. Lord, we just bless this congregation, Lord. Lord, we know you want to do a new thing in our life. You've got better and more for us, Lord God. You're not done with us. You want to change our lives so we can leave a legacy for our children's children, Lord. I just call this church men and women of destiny. I just right now the the this, the best legacy you could ever leave someone. When I was two years old, my parents made a decision to become followers of Christ. Best thing they could have ever done for their kids. And even if you're in a place right now and you've never made that decision, or maybe you're far from God, this is your chance to make that decision. If that's you, I just would, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll just invite you to just pop your hand in the air just so I can see it. I just want to include you in a prayer. And we're going to pray as a church. Yeah, I see that hand there. We're going to pray as a church. And I just want us all to pray together. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'll get you to repeat after me. But if you're praying this for the first time or if you're reconnecting with God, I just, just just pray this and mean it with all of your heart. Just repeat after me, church. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. Wash me clean. Raise me up with you. From today forward, I'm a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pray for our church right now. I'm going to pray for everybody here. Lord, I just bless... Lord, you are the ultimate father. 
You are the ultimate good father. And you leave an inheritance for your kids. You've left so much amazing stuff for us, Lord God, that you've got for us. Lord, we want it. Lord, help us to be men and women who will pass it on. But to do it, Lord, we know that we need to change. We just surrender, God. And we just just put it all on the table, God. And we just don't claim to know it all. We come to you with our things that we hold dear, and we, but we hold them loosely, Lord. We give you access to every part of our life. We give you access to our children. We give you access to our health. We give you access to our money. We give you access to our intelligence. We give you an access to our lifestyle. God, and we say just any way you want to shape or move or shift through it, Lord God, you are welcome. You're welcome. Anything you need to break down or kill, Lord God, is there. We know that you won't do anything without building up and without healing, Lord. We make ourselves available, Lord. We just give you full access, God. And Lord, I just believe that you've called this church to be a church that leaves a legacy. And we stand here, Lord, in one heart, in one accord. We just say, just do what you need to do in our lives, God. We believe that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We believe that your way is better. And Lord, for those who are, those of us who just can't let go in an area, God, we just can't let go, can't trust you in an area, Lord. We just invite you into that place, God. And we say, do what you need to do. Do what you need to do, Father. Prune where you need to prune, Lord God. Cut off where you need to cut off, Lord God. We believe that your life is better. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, we're going to worship as a church. We're going to worship, and I believe just, just, let, just, just meet with God. If you want prayer, though, come forward. I, just, I know that the presence of God